welcome to the Black, White, and Gray Pod. Our guest this week is Catherine Joswick. Catherine is a molecular biologist that lives in Jefferson County, West Virginia. We continue to discuss Rockwell, who's been constructing an insulation factory that will be releasing toxins where she calls home. Please tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Catherine Joswick, and I live in Jefferson County, West Virginia, Harpers Ferry. I live with my husband, uh, my 13-year-old son, my three cats, three dogs, and three chickens. Beautiful. And uh, uh, my occupation, I'm a PhD-trained molecular biologist, and I've studied diseases like cystic fibrosis, um, PTSD, and determining genomic and proteomic signatures of those disorders. Great. I believe that's exactly why I was referenced to you. I was told that you would have a little more insight on how the human is actually being more directly affected opposed to the environment. Right. So how how did you get involved in all this? Well, you know, um, about two-thirds of our county commutes to the Washington, D.C. area for work, and that, that's the same for my husband and I. And um, we moved out here for the quality of life. Um, we went on vacation out west in um, July of 2018, and when we came back, we saw this notification of the grand opening of this Rockwell factory. And I thought, well, you know, maybe it's not going to be that bad. But when I looked into it, it was clear that this was not good for our county. And uh, so I went to the very first protest we had at the Rockwell site, which was, uh, I think it was sometime in July of 2018. And um, I just uh, wanted to get involved in this, and I ended up organizing events, um, citizen protests at the local meetings. Um, We traveled as far as to Climate Week in um, New York City to protest those actions. We went to a Passive House conference in, in Pennsylvania, and so mostly it was to, you know, let the government officials in Rockwell know that we weren't happy about this and to let, you know, other people who were being um, hoodwinked by their greenwashing know that, you know, Rockwell is not the eco-friendly green leader that they purport to be. Right. And so what are some of the things that you found on that when you started digging? When I started digging, I found out um, just how much they would emit into our air and so from their air permit their own air permit they are permitted to emit 156,000 tons of regulated pollutants into our air per year Uh, those include things like uh, nitrogen oxide sulfur dioxide uh, vocs and the vocs and the sulfur dioxide and the nitrogen oxides um, combine to create ground level smog Um, they are permitted to 
uh, emit even more worrying things that you can't see, which is particulate matter, um, PM10 and PM2.5, which means it's smaller than 10 microns or 2.5 microns. Um, those small particles you can't see, but they enter into your lungs. Right. And from there, they can cross into the body. They, they aren't, they're so small that they can cross into the blood and um, cause a host of problems in the body from neurological problems, respiratory problems, um, preterm births, low birth weight, things like that. Right. And so it, it was pretty alarming that um, they were doing this. It was even more alarming when we consider the type of um, uh, valley that we're in. So we're in a valley and a good percentage of the time um, we have no wind whatsoever. And we also have these things called inversions where um, the air goes up, but then it comes back down. And we see that a lot of times in the winter here. Uh, you'll be driving along and you'll see smoke coming out of somebody's chimney. And then you'll see it rise up slightly above the chimney and then start uh, um, trailing down to the ground instead of continuing to rise. And so all of that means that um, what they're emitting through their 210-foot-tall uh, stacks isn't necessarily going to go anywhere. It's just going to be trapped right here in our valley, exacerbating uh, all of the effects of those pollutants that they're emitting, and which are regulated by the EPA. Right. And so what's the area that will be affected by the what will just be trapped on the ground uh what's the area where will it be dropped right no not where will it be a drop but like how how far does it have the potential to travel well and... they they say um even they say it's a 35 uh, mile radius around their factory that they expect to um be affected and so that... it, it encompasses a lot of towns counties and several states and is that just that. the smog or is that what everything um everything that, that that's will be everything emitted. it's going to be worse you know of course the closer you are to the factory especially right. in this case because of these inversions and these calm winds um it's not going to disperse as readily as it might in a different terrain right uh and so aside from this affecting um the community and the people directly what other industries and communities are you aware of that this will change or have a serious impact on? Well, I think um, the thing that we're immediately worried about is uh, right across the street, there is a uh, Title I school, and it right. is about, it's less than half a mile from the factory, and next to that school is a low-income neighborhood. So um, there, it's no accident that this location was chosen for that because you see throughout the United States, um, factories like this are always located in the low-income areas because um, the people in the higher-income areas fight tooth and nail not to have factories like this. And so it becomes this social justice um, uh, problem, too, because it's always the, the most vulnerable people, the people who who don't need to deal with uh, more problems like neurological problems or respiratory issues that have these factories next to them. And so I think um, this is part of a broader fight where we're standing up and saying, you know, no more, this isn't right. Um, right absolutely. You, you cannot place these factories in this land just because um, 
the people adjacent to it don't feel like they can or have the time to actually object to it. And so I feel that we are in a, in a broader fight that way. Um, the other thing is, um, I think at this point in time, we have a chance to um, really reassess um, how we're living. And for a company like Rock to say that they extract rock from the earth and then use fossil fuels to melt that rock to make this insulation, that that is good for the environment. <laughs> I, I think uh, a lot of people see the um, problem with that sort of logic. And right. so I think um, that we are raising awareness on that sort of um, issue as well. So the social justice, the fact that you know, we are all assessing our effect on climate and that these sorts of things are not um, as good for the environment as these corporations like to make it seem. They, Rockwell came in, they like, like to pretend that they're a good neighbor and that they're, you know, environmentally friendly. But um, we would say that that's a lot of greenwashing because um, they're placing their factory here among poor people. The other factory that they have in the United States is in Mississippi. Um, if there's one state that is, uh, has more, you know, teen pregnancy, uh, poor health care, poor health care, things like that, it's then West Virginia, it's Mississippi. And so it's no mistake that they play, they want to place both their factories in these states that, um, where the governments often sell out the citizens to these corporate interests, putting, um, pro uh, profits over people. And so um, I, I think all of West Virginia loses when they come because they also aren't going to pay taxes. And yeah. so uh, not only do we uh, receive all of their pollution and they receive all of the profits, we don't even get the tax revenue that we should be getting from them. Right. They are skirting a ton. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, they are. And uh, in Mississippi, it's a little bit of a different situation. Um, because there they moved into an area where there was high unemployment and uh, the wage that they offered there was a living wage. In mo moving here, our unemployment rate is the lowest, if not the second lowest, sometimes it's the second lowest compared to Berkeley County in the whole state. And because we are a um, bedroom community for Washington, D.C., what they want to pay is not a living wage for most of their positions, some of their higher management ones. Yes, but not for the lower, lower ones. Yeah, but you do know that they're coming with over 100 jobs, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, over 100 jobs, but if we look at 100 jobs uh, not divided jobs. by the 156,000 tons of pollution, <laughs> I think it's probably not worth it. Uh, I know that when I first mentioned it to my 12-year-old, or he was probably 11-year-old at the time, he says, that's not very many jobs for that much pollution. <laughs> He said, I think that um, my relative who owns a music school employs more people than that, right. and they don't pollute at all. Yeah. And That's so insane. I think even children can see that it's just a ludicrous trade-off for 100 jobs. And the fact being that up in Berkeley County, uh, Procter & Gamble had moved in um, with a um, facility as well as there's an Amazon uh, Macy's distribution system. Uh, stationed there and they cannot find enough people to work their jobs because of the low unemployment here and so i do know that for some of those people in um some of those companies in berkeley county they've actually had to bus workers in 
from uh, places like Cumberland, Maryland. Really? So um, they were given a $2 million forgivable loan from the state of West Virginia, and it would be forgiven if they employed um, up to 80 West Virginia workers. So hopefully that is some uh, incentive for them to um, hire West Virginia workers. But given our extremely low unemployment, the fact that that's not even a living wage for our county for most of those positions, uh, I'm, I'm not comforted by the 100 jobs. And, I, you know, you hear a lot of people um, who are pro rock will say, well, maybe the people who are commuting to Washington, D.C. won't need to. We're not commuting to Washington, D.C. for $35,000 a year right. jobs. Right. So I think um, I, I think something was lacking in their due diligence when they looked at this county. I think they thought and they were probably assured by our state. Oh, it's it's great. Let's put it there. You know, this is the one county in West Virginia that has no heavy industry at all. And uh, I think the state was eager to put something here and Rockwell was eager to be here. It's very close to the population centers on the East Coast. And um, I, I think they didn't do their homework and they didn't realize that Jefferson County is not like um, the rest of West Virginia in many, many ways, including our median income and the type of life that uh, county residents want to live. Uh, we're also not like West Virginia, as you heard from Christy Weimer, in terms of our water. We have karst uh, topography here, right. and so our groundwater can easily be contaminated through activities like this. So there's a good reason we don't have heavy industry here. Right. Uh, and I think have they done their homework? Um, I personally feel that they probably regret um, placing a factory across the street from a school in a county that doesn't want them, but I think they feel they can't give up and right. backtrack. Well, they definitely saved a lot of money in their fight, so I don't, they wouldn't be out much if they just stopped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we I mean, all wish that they would, yeah. or if some of the 22 sinkholes that are on their property, you know, <laughs> would... Uh, the recording and I just started recording again. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm talking about the sorts of things you want me to talk about. That's okay. A lot of this has been covered, but it's it's good to hear your opinion on it. And um, Well, and if, if you need more specific things, just let me know. Sure. I'm not exactly sure. We'll just uh, shift to that now. I mean, I was, uh, wasn't sure if you knew of any... I know there's a lot of industry that will be affected... Uh, by their presence is, I mean, there's local apiaries and uh, oh, organic yeah, yeah. farms, and I didn't know if you wanted to speak on any of that. Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, that's part of the reason county residents are opposed to this, because um, in addition to having the highest median income, we also contribute approximately 30% of the tourism um, revenue to the state. People come here, it's a convenient day trip from Washington, D.C. and other adjacent areas, and uh, we have Harpers Ferry National Park, we have the Appalachian Trail, we have the Shenandoah and Potomac Rivers Confluence, and people come here for 
history and for recreation, they certainly don't come here to see factory smokestacks. It's been estimated that uh, the smokestacks could be visible from up to 15 different vistas on the Appalachian Trail. Right. And uh, that's certainly probably true at night with their flashing lights on their smokestack. Um, we are also the number one um, crop producer for many, many crops in West Virginia. And uh, scientific studies have shown that the type of pollutants that they will emit affect crop yields. Um, for soybeans, it's estimated that the crop yields could be reduced 30 to 60 percent. Wow. Um, from especially the the um, the smog, um, the ozone that they would um, create. So uh, it would affect our tourism. It would affect uh, the crops. It would affect, you'd mentioned the apiaries. It has an adverse effect on uh, the bees. It would affect um, the equine industry. We have a horse racing track here. And I'm sure that you heard from Chrissy Weimer that uh, the horses are even more susceptible to these pollutants than we are. So there's a whole host of problems with it. Um, not to mention that, you know, our roads, our little country roads aren't made for all the truck traffic that needs to come through to service a facility like Rockwool. So it, it has um, the, it, it will radically alter the character of this county. And we've already seen a number of people just leave. So people have sold their farms and left. Um, a lot of us, like I said, up to two-thirds of our county um, chooses to live here. And we work in D.C. And we chose this place to live and we'll choose to leave if, um, if things like rock will keep happening because that right. affects our quality of life here and uh, we won't have such a high median income that's paying high taxes to the West Virginia government if that sort of thing continues right yeah I definitely think they picked a terrible place to try and do this a, a really terrible place <laughs> and our governor said he was here and he was talking about his vision for Jefferson County and he says He'd like us to have some vineyards, some wineries, mm. and we're thinking right next to an insulation factory. <laughs> Nobody's going to drink no better that place. <laughs> but you I mean, know, also just to clarify, there's no good place for this. I mean, it's it's not something that should be shoveled off onto somebody else, or I mean, it's something that just needs to stop. And we don't need to encourage insulation if it's going to be harming people or. Uh, exactly. forcing people to move or... and, and it's you know um, Rockwell keeps citing how many how much energy they save um, through insulating buildings using their mineral wool um, but find a better way and, and that to some extent is true but I don't think that they take the entire um, emissions profile from digging the rock out of the ground right. you know to disposing of that insulation in the end into account and even so why should we be the sacrifice zone i i don't care if it is really great for the rest of the world um why should the kids at north jefferson or the residents of fox Glen, or me and my family which we're about five miles downwind why why should we have to pay the price so the rest of the world can insulate their homes there are better alternatives out there right. and that's another thing um, that Rockwell um, opposes they have very aggressive um, 
anti-competitive sort of practices. And uh, when I went to Denmark to the shareholders meeting, because I do own a share of Rockwell stock so that we have a voice in the shareholders uh, meeting, then we did meet with people who in Denmark who were coming up with alternative insulations, but they end up just getting squashed by Rockwell. Really? And their their technology doesn't see the light of day. Why is that? Is it just... I mean, why is that? They will, in some cases, I understand um, that they possibly buy up the companies or the technology and then don't invest in them. Right. Um, or they um, they just have a lot of anti-competitive sorts of practices. Hmm. They, um, in, in Denmark, they're a very well-regarded company. And a lot of the pension funds and retirement funds have Rockwell stock. And so one of our next um, sort of attacks is to, to contact them and ask them, just like companies have divested from gun manufacture, weapons manufacturing, uh, even like fossil fuels and stuff, I, I think we should pressure these sorts of organizations to not invest in Rockwell as long as they are doing engaging in the sort of business practices that they're engaging in right now right in communities like ours yeah i definitely think they should be encouraged to find a i mean if they've got all these other uh technologies that they're investing in i don't see i mean is there even a push for a benign uh a benign resolution to energy consumption or i mean <laughs> What's the point of just pumping this material out and Yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's much more sustainable ways to insulate your buildings in your home. Um, digging rock out of the ground and melting it using fossil fuels. Something that belongs in the era of the caveman or something now. Right. We should we're definitely smarter as humans and there are alternatives out there. Right. But uh, companies like Rockwell are, are very powerful. And just like corporations in the United States, they hold a lot of sway over what regulations are passed on uh, different products. And um, we found that when we went to Denmark, it's no different there. The corporations hold most of the influence compared to the people. Right. It is a big problem. Yeah, it is, and this greenwashing that they continue to do. Um, we have gone to Climate Week. Well, the first year we went, a panelist withdrew from a panel that Rockwell, a Rockwell representative was on, and um, you know I thought that was good. The next year we didn't see them at Climate Week, um, but now they're back again. So you know it's an uphill battle to try and address these greenwashing issues that these corporations I think things like climate week probably are all greenwashing for the most part really they try to make people feel good but mostly the people pulling the strings are these uh, corporations like Rockwell and um, the state of green in Denmark is a, is a group that puts together climate week and they uh, have a lot of ties to the industries like Rockwell. So it, it's an uphill battle, I think. But I think that is. this is an important time in history where people are, you know, 
taking climate action seriously. Right. We've got a lot of good people taking a stand and doing good research and (laughs) advocating for the public. It's frustrating, even with all of the facts at hand that we have, you know, it's very difficult to make inroads when you're not only just fighting a multinational corporation with just infinite resources, you're also fighting your own state government. Right. You know, West Virginia is all about extractive industries and, uh, you know, selling out the people. And so it's truly an uphill battle. It is. We've got a lot of good people in that fight, though. Fridays for Futures building. Um, we got the EPGC, Jefferson County Coalition, so many, so many good, so many good, uh, fighters in it. But hey, is there, I don't want to run out of time before we touch on everything. Is there any, anything specific on the pollutants that you can share? Um, first of all, they're, they're using, um, they, they have their... Um, which is just a huge amount of pollutants, but they did use improper air modeling in their air permit to receive their air permit. Um, that is flawed. How? What is that? Um, Where they were collecting the pollutants for? Where they got the yeah, and uh, the um, the winds and stuff. Uh, they didn't account for the inordinate periods of calm winds okay. here, and. Um, I, I will say one thing about this. I need the to. people are so worried about these pollutants that um, a professor from West Virginia University School of Public Health is going to conduct a heavy metals analysis in the county children. And so right. the um, heavy metals are a surrogate for the pollution, but they're easily measured. So the particulate matter pollution that I mentioned that is particularly harmful um, these heavy metals hitch a ride basically on that. Right. And they are present in a lot of the raw materials that they use. And so um, the Dr. M- Michael McCauley from WVU is, this is actually happening next weekend, March 15th and 16th, is going to sample the hair for free of the children and test it for seven different heavy metals. Um, and so the measurement that is taken um, next weekend on the 15th and 16th will be the baseline measurement. And then after Rockwell is up and running, then he will sample the children's hair, uh, say a year or two, depending on how fast they ramp up and see, you know, what has their exposure to things like arsenic, cadmium, chromium, nickel, lead, uh, manganese, and zinc gone up. And are they at the level that would concern um, physicians and such for different sorts of uh, diseases, whether it's lung, uh, neurological, developmental delays, things like that. So I think it's pretty gruesome that we actually have to test our children. Right. Um, but I feel fortunate that um, we have the expertise to, to get a baseline and then to go ahead and see um, what is the effect of rock wool on uh, exposing our children to these harmful contaminants. And so I, I think that this is an excellent example of the community coming together and deploying just as many 
resources as they possibly can to um, to ameliorate uh, the damages from operation of the factory. Definitely. Are you are you also aware of the the cesspool pool that sorry the cesspool that's formed? Oh yeah, outside uh-huh. of North Jefferson. <clears throat> right. Oh yeah, and uh, that's also a crime. The way that they're filling their their um, sinkholes is not um, EPA approved and uh, can affect everything from that cesspool at North Jefferson to our drinking water to the endangered species that Madison Cave isopod that lives in the sinkhole in the underground caves of Jefferson County. Right. And so there's just so many things wrong with this location and so many things <laughs> yeah, wrong a, with this technology a nightmare that, to say the least uh, it, it just it just seems obsolete right and um it, it's just our state is stuck in their old ways of you know promoting extractive industries and um rock wool is stuck in this 